Rise up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. We are back again with another episode. Mr. Todd Brooks, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, Stan. Just uh, ready to talk about this rematch of the uh, 99 Super Bowl between the uh, Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons, Although, be, uh, albeit without all the key players from those teams. Well, you know, whenever ESPN gets a hold of this game, I don't know if they're going to uh, quite bring it in in the same uh, – well, the same hype as you're bringing it in right here, introducing this game as the rematch to a Super Bowl over, you know, I can't even do the math right now, over 20 years ago. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's that, been uh, 22 years. 22 years 20, ago. That'll make, you, that'll make you feel old. I remember what I was doing. Like, you know, I remember where I was. I mean, I wasn't very old, but, you know, I was I, – that was a while. Like, sports has a, has a, a real, like – it always brings you back to like that moment of, Oh, I remember what I was doing with. The, so when in 2012, I remember the Falcons were like nine yards away from going to another, to a Super Bowl. Uh, I remember like where I was living. I was living in Alabama. Uh, I was in a friend's house. We were piping mad. It's just, uh, just sports has a tendency to take you back to those, those times. which is pretty cool. So. But uh, these times are different, these two teams. These seasons have gone completely differently. Um, so we'll do a little uh, look ahead tonight for the coming up matchup, like we said, with the uh, Denver Broncos versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Broncos are sitting at three and four for the year, and the Falcons are sitting at two and six. And Raheem Morris is above 500 as a head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. So there's something. Two and one, two outstanding and, record. Two and one, outstanding record. It should be three and zero, oh, Todd. If, if well, should have, could have. It doesn't count the record books. <laughs> they don't ask you how; they ask you how many. Isn't that right? Um, they ask you, yeah, exactly. They ask you how many. I mean, if you really went back through, should have. I mean, you could have also said, well, the Falcons should have lost to the Minnesota Vikings. You could say. The Falcons should have lost to the Carolina Panthers, but none of that actually happened. They they didn't, but on paper, it looked like they were. Yeah, the Matt Ryan didn't. I mean, he had an okay game, but it wasn't like – it wasn't a stellar game. He threw a pick and had a below 100, I think, uh, passer rating in that game. But they – but Julio, it's the craziest thing. So, like, if you watch, like, uh, you know, highlights or whatever on YouTube or – Somebody else works in there would be like, man, Matt Ryan didn't have that great of a game. But Julio had an awesome game. He had like five catches for 137 yards. It's like, how can Matt Ryan have a bad game and Julio have a good game? It's like, they go hand in hand. So, anyway, that's just like, come on, guys. He didn't have a stellar game, but he didn't have a bad game. Um, and so, it's kind of the same thing with Drew Locke. Drew Locke is finally, I think, I'm not going to claim him he's going to be – the rookie of the year, and I'm not going to say he's going to be the next. Did you hear that? No. Okay. Um, I Sorry, that must have been in my headphones. 
and I'm not saying he's going to be the rookie of the year or anything, but he had a really good game last week against the Chargers, which was very surprising because he hasn't looked very uh, good in recent weeks against, I guess, the rest of the league. So Right. So that's, well, the stats for the season aren't that great either, but he's missed some time with injuries too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my first matchup or for my first key of the game, first matchup to watch of the game would be that right there, Drew Locke versus the Atlanta secondary. And it's kind of the – they are they, – they, the Atlanta secondary and the, the – and Drew Locke kind of mirror each other because although – you know, Drew Locke has been banged up a little bit through the year. So is the Falcons secondary. But also, too, through the season, Drew Locke has played not up to, I would say, his standard. He hasn't had a great season. He has four touchdowns and five interceptions. But the last game, he engineered one of the best comebacks of the season um, that didn't happen against the Falcons. And um, – he engineered a, a, a great winning last fourth quarter to beat the beat the Chargers with zeros on the clock, and he had a great game. He threw for 248 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. So, I mean, he's already uh, taken a huge step forward in that game. And so the same thing with the secondary for the Falcons, which they held Teddy Bridgewater to 137 yards and under 100 pa- – 100, um, under 100 passer rating. So, uh, it, they've had bad seasons. Both Drew Locke and the secondary have had bad seasons. But, the, the la- I mean, you're, somebody famous said, you're only as good as your last game. What have you done for me lately? And their last games have been good. So, this would be – on paper should be – well, in recent history, it should be a good matchup. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's going to be a good matchup, mostly because statistically the Denver Broncos aren't very good on offense. They are bottom six in total offense. They're bottom five in passing offense. And then they're uh, bottom seven in rushing offense. So it's not really a lot they do well. They average right around three touchdowns a game. Falcons average is 26.1 points per game. So – um, it, it things look pretty good. I don't anticipate this team being a team that can score a lot of points on the Falcons, even with the Falcons' defense being as bad as it is. Yeah. Um, and what I think another like kind of jumping jumping down the jumping down my little sheet here. Um, what you kind of said before, like what the, what was their rushing attack again? What what did you say their rushing was? Okay, so their rushing is bottom seven in the NFL. They average right around 112.9 points per game. So 100, uh, 109 yards per game. Yeah, well, I said 109 points. Yeah, I mean, that'd be an awesome offense. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yards per game. Yeah. So they have Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Um, Yeah. And so, but they really leaned on Melvin Gordon at the end of that game, and he looked <clears throat> fresh uh, in my eyes watching that that game again. And uh, that's going to be – I think that's going to be a matchup, too, that I think the, that not only they're going to let Drew Locke kind of out of the cage a little bit more, but I think they want to lean on this Falcons running. Uh, but their front seven – the Falcons' front seven statistically has been the best part of their defense. They're, they're top ten, I think, still in rush defense because their secondary has been so bad. 
Uh, we go over this every week, but why would you throw or why would you run it when you could just throw it and throw it it's faster to get down the field? But, but I don't, um, the, they might not, the, the Broncos might not have be equipped to take, you know, to run on the Falcons, which would be, that's, that's a matchup to watch. So. Yeah. I mean, for sure it is. Um, <laughs> You know, passing yards per game, I just don't anticipate them being able to have much of an aerial attack. They're only averaging right now about 214 yards per game. I don't and that's only – that's 25th in the whole league. I mean, it's just not not the best stats, I think, especially with the Falcons' second year. But it's going to be an interesting matchup to watch, like you said, just to see if Drew Locke can do anything against that Falcons' secondary. I would think he should be able to. But I, I bet the jury's still out on Drew Locke and what kind of – talent he's really going to be in the NFL too well I think too a lot has to do with what's around him that um I don't know if he has the obviously he does I know he doesn't have the horses around him like Matt Ryan does but that he's got was it Jerry Judy's on the squad he's right. highly touted out of Alabama as far as experience goes he doesn't have a lot of experience around but Jerry Judy's a guy I like you know right now he's only averaged um you know, not that many receptions per game. He's got 23 catches on a whole season. But he leads the team in receiving yards at 359 yards per game. That's – or, or for the season. Okay. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry, all kinds Man, of you all kinds of – they got you messed up, Todd. 350 yards um, for a season. Um, yeah, 359 yards for the season is what he's got. Now, I don't know if he's missed time or not, but he is their leading receiver. Yeah, so – That's something. Yeah. But we've seen – some, no, I'm not going to say no name because in your NFL you have a name. I mean, like, you know. But we've seen some lackluster passing attacks come into Atlanta. And also, too, another, like, just another thing to point out for you, that it's a very strange stat the Falcons have this year, amongst many others, that the Falcons are 0-4 at home. And they're, two, they're 500 on the road. They're 2-2 two and two on the road and 0-4 and at home. And the Broncos – uh, have two wins on the road, and they only have two wins for the season. So, or so no, they have, saying, they have three wins on the season. So. so, what you're saying is something has to give this weekend, right? Right. Something has to give. There's a lot of there's a lot of stats that are very strange. You know, match lining up with each other. That something's got to get. That, what is the uh, famous saying that the immo- the immovable object meets the unstoppable force? Yeah. Right. That's this, you know, that's this game right here. Right. I don't even know really what that means this year, though, because I just think this is just such a different year as far as going on the road and playing games. Like, does it really mean a lot if you're 0-3 at home, or does it mean a lot if, you know, you've got a better record on the road? I just don't know if that really means a lot, because you go to certain cities, and there may not be any fans at those road stadiums. And you go to other cities, you might have a few thousand in the stands. You might have 15,000. You might have 5,000. It's just hard to really – put a good gauge on it like the crowds just don't make as big of a difference as they normally do it's mostly just a team being able to stay in their cozy confines at home and the other team having to travel to a city and I mean in some cases it's not very far I mean I don't I don't really know what the Falcons do like if they go to a place like Carolina I would imagine that's probably a bus ride though I wouldn't think you would probably. fly there yeah I think it's a bus ride so just like watching the games this year not just for the Falcons, but like for other games. I'm assuming you've been watching some games, but mm-hmm. has it changed the way? Like, do you like it better without fans, or do you like do you miss the fans? No, I miss the fans. In fact, I was um, eating it- lunch with Chris today, and we were talking about that a little bit. And 
was, and I asked him, I said, how do you feel about college football? We were specifically talking about college football. And um, he said, you know, I said, does it still feel the same to you? Because it doesn't to me. And he agreed. Like, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, like, it yeah, I, and with college football, I enjoyed the pageantry of having the band and, and the crowd noise. And it just It's just part of the game. And the NFL, I miss the crowds, too. Like, it makes a big difference even watching on TV. That fake crowd noise they run in is just not the same thing. No, absolutely not. And, two, like, just the energy that the, the fans bring and they're cutting to, like, you know, someone brought their baby for the first time and this guy's painted head to toe and whatever. So, like, just the energy that, you know – I, I totally agree. Even, especially with someone's packed like Arrowhead or something like, have they're like, they say that in Seattle, that stadium will like measures on the Richter scale. So um, it's not the same. But um, I'm glad to have football back. And uh, who knows? We you know, uh, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the season? But it's good to have football yeah. back for sure. I mean, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to have a season. I'm glad they were able to play it, but it's it's still not the same as what a normal season would be. I, I mean, it, the whole thing's just weird at times because you have, uh, you don't necessarily know when you're going to be playing. It's not just the fans, but yeah, you know, players get COVID. Players have to be on the reserve list, miss games. Sometimes entire teams have to cancel their games for the week, and right, there's not really a lot of space on the calendar to make it up. It's not like baseball because if you miss the game of baseball, you know you're theoretically able to make it up at some point on the calendar you could it's easier to extend the season in baseball too than in football um because you, you they play every day versus football's playing one game a week so it's it's a very different situation altogether um so that that part's a little bit odd too uh it's the same with college players i mean and there's different policies in college football because you've got some guys they only have to quarantine for 10 days. You got, in some cases, in the Big Ten, they have guys that have to be out for 21 days. And the NFL, you know, just missing time, Three missing time. two games. Three positive yeah. negative tests in a row. It's, it's the, I think it's the standard. If you get three negative in a row, then even if you, I mean, you're out 21 days, you're out seven days, whatever it is. If, as long as you got three in a row, you're good to go. Um, so that's – uh, that's the the records, the home and away records, which was I found strange, but you know it's welcome to 2020. And another matchup to watch, obviously, uh, there's only so many matchups that go onto the game, but I think something that favors the Falcons is Matt Ryan versus the the Broncos secondary. Although it looks like they'll be at, be without Calvin Ridley, he has a like a mid, they call it a mid-foot injury. Um, um, I'm not so sure he, like, fractured his, a bone in his foot or something, a mid-foot strain, but uh, he'll be out for – I mean, it's smart. He's got the bye week coming up. I was kind of surprised who is going to play, but um, you got to have somebody catch the ball. Yeah, because if both of those guys were out, I guarantee you that no matter what happened, we would lose to the Denver Broncos. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I couldn't. Could you name the other receiver? Who, if, if Julio goes out for this game, name the three receivers that'll be on the field. Off the top of my head, I can't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it either. I'm going to take a yeah. guess. Uh, someone could look me up. I'll look it up after the show. Uh, Russell Gage, Amaleus Zacchaeus, and Powell, number 15. He catches the punts now. 
I don't know why they don't they don't ever put an emphasis on the punting anymore. I mean, they, it's like ever ever since Eric Weems, number fourteen back there, he was I call him the human fair catch because it didn't matter. I mean, it could be off the toe; he knew it was going to carry fair catch that thing. Then no, we hadn't had a receiver or a actual threat back there since I guess um, Devin Hester. So I don't know why they haven't revamped that area of the, of the team, but there's that. Um, so, yeah, Matt Ryan versus the Broncos secondary. Although this, the Broncos secondary was able to pick off uh, Justin Herbert for the Chargers, they was they were able to pick him off two times last week. But I don't – and Matt Ryan is liable to throw another interception, a, a, just a, a, a strange interception. It's pretty on par, but uh, this year – I think um, I think Matt Ryan could get him. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think that um, that he could. Of course, you know my preference would be to not. <laughs> Man, Todd, not getting them. All right, so I have. Uh, so here is the biggest one of them all, though. I'll save the best one for last, like the key of the game. Can the Falcons keep the blitzes up? Can the pressure? continue to come from blitzes and that's going to be um um i I think that's going to be a huge part of the game because if they can get drew lock rattled he'll give you the ball so i think if he sees it's working he's trying to evaluate talent he being raheem morris raheem morris the the interim head coach of the atlanta falcons is trying to see what he's got trying to see who wants to play, who doesn't want to play, all the cliches. He's trying to see um, what's working and what's not so he could obviously put tape on film, but uh, just just to figure something out for this year because everybody's got pride. I mean, it's still your job. You still get paid to do this. So, I don't know, man. I think if if I like the Falcons – so, like, I know you talk about the Steelers a lot, like being one of uh, a franchise that you look up to that um, – they're known for something like they're known for consistency and like mm-hmm. uh, Patriots are known for being cheaters or I mean, not cheaters. Um, they're known, you know, they're known for having Tom Brady too, but like playing very disciplined and cutting players before their time. But like, I would not be mad if the Falcons were like known for blitzing all the time. That's how much I like blitzing. I know it's a little bit risky, but if you can do it right and you don't know it's coming and you're known for it, then I think it would be uh, – I think it would be beneficial. I mean, it only helps. So. Yeah, it could. And they haven't – you know, we saw them do it against Carolina a lot, but we haven't really seen them do it a lot the rest of the season. Right. You know, we, we saw that in Carolina. So, that would be nice to see that again. Uh, and they, I think they can have some success against Denver with it. But then once that schedule toughens up and they play against these better offensive lines, I don't know. Well, to, and, and like you said, once the schedule toughens up, and not only do they play up against these better offensive lines, but better quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. you're you going to tell me you're going to just all-out blitz Tom Brady? Which, Well, no, because he's just going to release the ball quick and he's going to get out right. of his hand, and then you're just going to get eaten up on a passing play. And he knows where it's going with his eyes closed. He's already got eight games in. He already knows who's who's catching it. He don't know their names, but he know where they're supposed to be standing. 
All right. So yeah. that's so that's one of my that's my biggest key of the game. Number four would be Kenneth Hopkins and Jeff Ulbrick and Raheem Morris continue to bring pressures through the A gap blitzes and everything else for for the Atlanta Falcons. Get get Foye Lucan and Deion Jones in the backfield. That's my key of the game. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I am with it, too. I I think the Falcons can have a lot of success against Denver's defense. Their defense is just mediocre. Um, I would anticipate Matt Ryan, especially with the fact that he's still going to have Julio Jones in the game. I would anticipate his, uh, his offensive attack to be fully there this week. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about running back. We need to talk about uh, Todd Gurley having uh, – you got a Todd Gurley stats in front of you? Uh, do not currently, but I can pull them up. Yeah, we need to talk about his yards per yards per rush because it's not good at all. Let's see. Yeah. Yards, uh, yards per game. No. It should be yards per attempt. I'm almost there. All right. But, yeah, so his yards per attempt is abysmal. I'm going to guess. Just take a guess what you think it is. My guess is like 2, 2.5. I was going to say 2.3. Yeah. So, Brian Hills, though, I know is above 2.5. I bet you his is 5.0, if I had to guess, because he looks electric. I think Todd Gurley and Brian Hill need to start not splitting time, but needs to be more balanced between them. And I know Todd Gurley on the year has 140 rushing attempts, and Brian Hill only has 48. But I think um, I think Brian Hill deserves a shot at lighting the load for Tiger Early. Okay, so the yards per carry are actually a little bit higher than I thought. We guess you guess two point five, I guess two point three. They're actually at three point eight yards per I, carry. Tiger Early okay. is so. See so where Brian Hills is. That'd be interesting saying that too. Still not good. I got it pulled up. Uh, it's still not good. It's uh, Brian Hills is good though. It's four point six, and I don't know what. Yeah. Like, I don't know um, what like the benchmark is for a, a successful running back, but I would imagine it's not three point eight. Um, so I just no. You probably want to have that at least at four and a half five yards of carry. Yeah. So I think I think a smart move would be get Brian Hill and 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 Todd Gurley some rest, although he's shown that he could be consistent this year and could be. I have will eat my hat if he. I mean, I've been blown away at the durability of Todd Gurley. Um, I have not been blown away with his speed or his quickness or his explosiveness, but I have been blown away by his durability. So. Uh, that's been cool to see. To this, But I think to save that for the rest of the season, which I don't know what you would save it for, but, um, yeah, I would. I, would, I think I would let Brian Hill get some touches this game. Well, they may. I think a lot of it just depends on where they are at the end of the year. I mean, they may decide, like, the last two or three games just to shut Todd Gurley down, just let him have a break, and then try out some other guys. I mean, you didn't want to see that being the case. And we're three eight games after this weekend. Um, the Falcons really weren't going to be in the playoff chase. I, w- I would definitely, I think, set Todd Gurley down the last two or three games and maybe play Brian Hill more 
and then maybe just see what you're going to do with Gurley. Although you might still bring him in for red zone situations. Right. He seems to be – he's got an old man power. He likes – he smells the red zone. He'll – He'll fight tooth and nail for that extra couple yards to try to break the plane. So that's it's that's cool to see. Um, oh, did you see um, the 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 saga that continues with Tech McKinley? I know you're really high on Tech McKinley right now. Uh, did you see what what went on on Twitter, the Twitterverse? We talked about this yesterday. I know we um, did, but so, we're gonna talk. So has more happened? I haven't really paid attention. Uh, okay, so he came out to just kind of recap. Tat McKinley came out and said, "Hey, the, the Atlanta in a tweet. You could. I don't know if he deleted it or not, but everybody has screen grabbed it, so it's everywhere. So you can go find it if you wanted to." The Falcons. Uh, he says, "Hey, the Falcons are a bunch of clowns with a clown emoji. They turned down a. The, the Falcons have turned down last year when Tack I Tack requested a trade. They turned out a second round pick for me." And that was dumb because they're clowns. And then this year, they've turned out a fifth and a sixth round pick for me. And they're clowns for keeping me around. Um, And then, so they asked, obviously, you have to ask the head coach about it. Like, like, so what do you think about Tack saying all this crazy stuff? And Raheem Morris, for like, whatever you think about him, he is a very straightforward person. Have you ever seen any of his interviews or like, uh, any of his press conferences, he is very direct. He's one of those people that, like, yeah, he could make you uncomfortable if you're not uh, not ready for conflict. And so they said, yeah, he dealt with it in an inappropriate way, and he will be held accountable for his actions. And uh, right now he's pouting. And he told that to, like, the media. He's like, oh, boy. And then it came out today that Tack McKinley had been fined for disclosing an un he got fined an undisclosed amount of money for talking about team stuff. I don't team know. Team personal business. Team, team personal, personal business. Right. Yeah. Dirty laundry out basically. So they find him for that. Who knows how much they find him, but uh, yes. Um, pretty funny. Uh, he won't be, you won't see him suited up anytime soon. No, probably never. Probably never. You can't cut him because there's like ramifications for that. So he'll be a, he'll be a bench warmer. He'll be ever. He might be dressed. He might not be. I'd make him dress. I'd make him get out there and put a suit on, or put a uniform on. Yeah, I would too. So um, I think that's about all I have for today. Um, you got anything else? Oh, we got to do. Uh, go ahead. Well, let's do score predictions. I do have a couple things for you. I have a couple things for you, and then we can uh, do whatever else you want to. All right. So, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Uh, I seem to be having a really bad track record. The Falcons, my draft, my picks pretty much go the same way as the uh, the Falcons season. If I pick them to lose, they win. If I pick them to win, they lose. So, I think it's in my best interest to pick them to, uh, to win this week so they lose. So, I'm going to go with the Falcons, 24, Denver Broncos, 20. Okay. So, Todd. <laughs> so, Todd, Todd, Todd. We are uh, we are close together. Uh, we are kindred spirits. We're birds of a feather on this. Uh, we almost got the same exact score prediction. Um, 
and I pick the Falcons win as well. My track record has been horrible. Like, I think mine's been worse than yours. I've just been – I've been all over the place, man. And I've been picking pretty strong for wins. I'm like, oh, well, the Cowboys, we're better than the Cowboys. Just, oh, oh, who is this? Uh, the Bears? Ah, Bears. No, I've been horrible at this all year. And they've been letting me down. So, I'm going – I don't know if I'm doing the double reverse psychology that you're doing, but I do think the Falcons are going to win this week. So I'm going to go, and the Falcons uh, score a little more points than you predicted because the Falcons are scoring around 26 points a game. I'm hoping that Matt Ryan have a little bounce back game, a little get back game. Julio comes up big again. I'm going 28-21 Falcons win. And uh, they try to come back. Uh, just like they did last week, they being the Broncos. The Broncos try to come back again, just like they did against the Chargers. And the Falcons' defense steps up and makes another stop. So that's my final prediction. It's going to be a nail-biter. It's going to have your heart racing. It's going to be not as – it's not going to be a comfortable one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's going to have my heart racing. Worry about that draft pick that I want us to get it in the season. (laughs) I bet you your heart don't know what to think right now. Uh, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be broken if we win. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's do a little trivia, shall we? Let's oh, trivia. trivia! That's my favorite, man. I love these. Yeah. Well, yeah, and since we're this seems like it's a very appropriate question. Okay, so um, I want you to tell me if you know the answer to this question or not. So, who holds the Denver Broncos all-time single-game record for passing yards? And against who? Okay. I mean, my my initial thought would be obviously going to be Elway, but I don't know if that's going to be as. Uh, is this a trick that would have been my initial thought too? Okay, so yeah, the the Broncos have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They've got John Elway. They also have Peyton Manning. Oh, but gosh. It's ne- but it's neither. But it's neither one of them. It's yeah, I forgot about Peyton. Uh, so it's neither one of them. Jeez, I'm trying to think. And I, dude, I just know I have no doubt this against the Falcons. Is it against? Uh, that is correct. I got no. <laughs> that's easy, man. That was the easy one. That's a softball right there. But now, who it was? Heck, I can't even think of who even. Uh, and I bet you it was a backup that year. I'd tell you that because uh, it might have been someone who came in halfway through. The season. I don't know. Who is it? Okay. So, it was a starting quarterback, and it was somebody who started with Denver for a while. He played for Arizona State University. He suddenly just retired from the NFL at one point. Like, nobody saw that coming. He's like, I retire, and he was done, and he never came back again. In mid-2000s. Yeah. Uh, was he, he wasn't a running quarterback, was he? Uh, he was a running quarterback. Oh gosh, uh, I might be thinking of someone else. Then is it uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, um, Jake, Jake uh, Plummer. Jake Plummer. Jake Jake Cutler. No, no, not Jake Cutler. You're thinking even later that Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer. Yeah, he played for Arizona State University. He he was always known as Jake the Snake Plummer. 
That's, and he played with Denver. Oh Denver drafted him. Gosh. But Denver did draft him. Yeah, actually, he was with the Arizona Cardinals for a while. Then Arizona traded him to Denver. And he started with Denver for probably about four or five years. Um, he was a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. But he did set the Denver Broncos single-game passing record against the Atlanta Falcons on Halloween Day 2004. He passed for 499 yards against the Falcons secondary. But here's the other – uh, humdinger like I forgot about this the Falcons won the game even after all that was said they won it 41 to 28 holy crap they and it was at mile high so wait a minute how did they score what so you said 28 they only scored 28 points for this 500 passing yards Did yeah they only scored they only scored 28 points there were some uh there were some turnovers yeah so, I was gonna say but, they throw five picks uh I don't know about that that just happened to <laughs> No, nah, man, listen, do you remember uh, the Brick Offweiler? I mean, Brock Osweiler deal? Yes, I remember Brock Osweiler. Yeah, kind of looks like Brock Osweiler. I just looked up a picture of it. Yeah, yeah, there were a few interceptions in that game. I'm just not sure exactly how many, but I know that uh, the Falcons had a 69-yard uh, return for a touchdown <laughs> interception. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 41 to 28. So, I kind of forgot about that because I remember just – like, I remember watching that game now, but, like, my thoughts of the Falcons going to Denver all these years has really been, you know, the Falcons go to Denver and they get slaughtered, but that was actually one time where they won. Yeah. So, episode. Yeah, it was sure. a long time ago, though, 16 years ago. So, uh, yeah, a lot's happened since then. All right. So, also in honor of Falcons Super Bowl pass, Let's talk about the Super Bowls of, of past years a little bit. I want you to compare the Super Bowl from 1999 and the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. Which loss stings you more? Are you more stung by the loss of the Denver Broncos at the end of that 98 season, the 99 Super Bowl, or are you more stung by the loss of the 2016 Falcons in that 17 Super Bowl? Oh, that was easy for me. Um that's that's a, that's a softball question, for my opinion, because uh, it's got to be uh, it's the ninety that ninety nine ninety eight season. You weren't supposed to be there. You got in on a missed kick. You had uh, you had the the sheriff. Not he wasn't the sheriff. I don't know what nickname he had, but if that was his second Super Bowl or it was the beginning of his Super Bowl run, he's uh for Elway. Um, but you were going, you were major underdogs there, uh, and I think the tires blew out on Jamal Anderson. Chris Chris Chandler is, you know, he was an average quarterback. So yeah, and also too, we had some what they call the Buckhead flu. That uh, the the safety's going out and partying the night before and all that. Stuff. Yeah, UJ Robinson, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more on party. <laughs> okay, well, let me just try to. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate that. Y'all go Google that one. I'm not bringing that one to there. Um, but, yeah, that one did not sting as near as much of the 2016 Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl debacle. Not only – I mean, because they got trounced. The 98 – I don't remember what the score was in 98, 99 Super Bowl, but it wasn't close. It was It was like 40. I think it was 34 to 19 was the final score, final 34 score. to 19, yeah. yeah. And they never really were in it. I remember that Tim Dwight had a 
huge kickoff return for a touchdown in that game. That's really all I remember about the game at this point. Jamal Anderson really couldn't run the ball in that game. You know, it's like you said, Chris Chandler was a fairly average quarterback. And that was just, you know, it was just good to be there. That was like the first Yay. season where the Falcons really were, were good, a legit contender. Like the Falcons had never had a season like that in their history. We were used to Falcons having a really bad defense, getting clobbered at every game. That was back when they still played in the NFC West. They play San Francisco every year. They go out to San Francisco and get blown out. But that run of the Super Bowl, when we beat San Francisco along the way, we beat them in the divisional round. And then the Falcons turned around and beat Minnesota in that NFC championship game. So both of those games were very special. Both of those were very close games. And so you're just like, well, you know, we made it to the Super Bowl. It was Elway's second Super Bowl because they had played against Green Bay the year Green before. Bay. Yeah, and that was actually John Elway's final game, too. That was his final game as a Denver Bronco against the Falcons. So, you you kind of figured, well, that's a possibility at the time. So, you, you kind of knew that John Elway and the Denver Broncos were going to win that Super Bowl. The one in 2016 was very yeah. different. That Falcons team was a lot better than the Falcons team in, in 98. I know the records were different because the 98 Falcons, they were 14-2 and two during the regular season, I believe. They had a losses to the uh, Jets and the 49ers in the regular season. Those were the only two teams they lost to. Um, the 2016 team, they were, what, 11-5? and five, But that team had a lot more offensive prowess. They were probably not quite as good defensively, but – they they were a lot more exciting to watch and had a much more diversified offense. And then they dominated in their two playoff games that they played. And then when they got in the Super Bowl, they were dominating the Super Bowl. And then they New England up. just breaks up. your heart. They fell apart. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that – I mean, just kind of just piggyback on that, it's like they had a historic offense. They had, like – they were in mm-hmm. the same – they're in the same conversation with the greatest show on turf. Like, just let that sink in. Like with Chris, right. Chris Chandler? No, not Chris. What's the guy? Uh, uh, you're talking about the St. Louis Rams and Kurt, Kurt Warner. Kurt yeah. Warner and Hirsch. No, gosh. What's the running back's name? Um, it's been a while because that's, that's been 20 years ago. Marshall. Mar- yeah, Marshall Falk. Marshall, Marshall Falk. Falk. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the great show on turf, and they did that for a couple of years, but they're in the same, they, they are outperforming them. So, like, they had a historic offense. Matt Ryan's obviously the MVP, and uh, that one just broke my heart. Um, and I remember, like, I had some, like, you know, personal things in my life going on, too, when all that went down. I was just, I don't know. It's just, I, that one broke my heart. Yeah, the greatest show on turf. I mean, that kind of just came out of nowhere. That was – yeah, St. Louis was a lot like the Falcons, actually, because the Falcons came out of nowhere. St. Louis was very bad in those previous seasons. All of a sudden, you had Kirk Warner. You had Marshall Falk. Then they had two really good receivers. They had Torrey Holt. They had Isaac Bruce mm-hmm. on that team. And that was the year that the Georgia Dome was hosting the Super Bowl. And so a lot of people had the thought, at the beginning of that 99 season, the Falcons could get back to the Super Bowl and be the first team to ever host in their home stadium. That still hasn't happened, but Tampa Bay, I think, has got a shot at it this year because Super Bowl's in Tampa. Uh, Tampa's looking pretty good to maybe get that number one seed in the NFC this year. Uh, So everybody kind of thought the Falcons had a chance to do that. Well, here comes St. Louis. They're just like sitting there bombing everybody away. And then they go and they win the Super Bowl on a wintry weekend in Atlanta. I remember there was ice all over the ground that weekend and – uh, school had been canceled around yep. here in yep. Athens yep. and Atlanta, and there was just a lot 
it's Atlanta did not get another Super Bowl again for a long time after that until a few years ago when New England uh, beat the Los Angeles Rams and in yep. the Mercedes Benz we Stadium. Chris, so we watched that at Chris's house. Now we played ping pong because it was that was such a boring Super Bowl. We ended up just yeah. going upstairs and playing ping pong. <clears throat> um, yeah. Oh man, it was a de- it was a defensive struggle. I mean, it was boring, but it wasn't like it was a blowout either. I mean, it was. It wasn't a real tight game. Like, you never really felt like that yeah, just, the Los Angeles Rams were going to have a chance to win that game. That game just was interesting. It just wasn't interesting. It, we knew what right, was happening. We knew what very was – boring. Yeah, it was like death by a thousand cuts. And you'd be like, all right, well, we all know how this game is going to end. So. Yeah, because usually New England Patriots, Super Bowls, almost all those games were good that they participated in. There yeah. was only a couple of games where um, – it got out of hand a little bit. Like the Falcons kind of had it looked like it was out of hand there for a while, and then they came back. And then, um, yeah, they were up with like 14 on the Rams most of the time. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you got anything else for the people? Wait, what's your, what you said, what is your score prediction again? I'm going to run over it one, time, one more time. I said 24 to 20 Atlanta Falcons over the Denver Broncos. 24 to 20, and I have 28 21. Well, you got any other final thoughts for the for the people, Todd? Yes, I really hope my score prediction is wrong and the Falcons lose that game and then lose the rest of their games. Two and 14, that's what I'm shooting for this year. Two, two, and, two and 14. So you want to hold tight at two, huh? Yeah, I want to say the exact opposite record of the 90, 1998 team that went to the Super Bowl against the Broncos. And since we're playing the Broncos this year, why not get it started right now? Yeah, a lot of parallels going on right there, Todd. I like it. Okay, yeah. so, so boy, is uh, Todd's got him at uh, 24 to 20. I got him at 28 to 21. And uh, Falcons fans, uh, just cheer this team on. Rise up. For the state of the franchise, rise up. And uh, if you like what you heard tonight, go ahead and follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rise Up Radar, coming to you every week, twice a week. And next week, we're going to have a bye week for – so we got a special show lined up for you, so stay tuned for that. And until next time, Falcons fans, rise up.